You are Locked On Browns, your daily podcast on the Cleveland Browns, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome into this Locked On Browns podcast. I am your host, Jared Mueller. You can get at me on Twitter, at Jared K. Mueller. And I apologize in advance if I'm a little slow, a little Tylenol PM to work through some leg pain. Might be impacting my thinking. A long day of pain, but also a long, interesting day. So if you haven't listened to my podcast yesterday, Locked On Browns number 42, I went over uh, passionately uh, why I believe Mary Kay Cabot's article from yesterday about the Browns bringing in a GM was problematic, uh, not logical, uh, and possibly one of the worst articles she's ever written. Um, I've had some arguments that her idea that Jason Campbell is an elite quarterback probably was worse, and that's fine. Uh, Today I was blocked by Miss Cabot, and we're going to move on from that. And so... Um, today, like many people are with, uh, have this week and maybe even a little bit next week, it's time to kind of look at where are the Browns compared to what we kind of expected. It's fine to look at this team based on what we want. We want an undefeated team. We want a team with a winning record. We want a team that's even 500, but that's just not realistic given where we were and what we should have expected going into this season. And so, All of my evaluations are going to be based on kind of what the Browns had set up, what the plans were, and kind of what our expectations were going into this season. This is a a roster that was not built to win right now. In fact, this was a roster that decisions were made um, purposely to get younger. Now, you can call that purposely to lose, and that's fine, but this was a roster built to purposely get younger. Uh, It's the first time in my lifetime I can remember the team uh, absolutely, totally tearing it down to the studs and building from scratch. This is the first time I can remember a team not trying to uh, insert two or three kind of key free agents to try to get over the hump or uh, trading draft picks to get the Sean Rogers of the world and those kind of players. Um, you know, this is just the first time that I, I can remember a team starting from scratch. And so, Um, For me, I went back. I wanted to get an idea of kind of what our expectations were going into the season. And so um, because it kind of fits with the Browns, uh, pro football focus seems to um, the way they think and the way the Browns front office thinks kind of makes kind of matches up a little bit. They marry together pretty well. Uh, When you look at how uh, PFF has graded some of the Browns draft picks before they are drafted and, and even in the season, you can see kind of a marrying of ideas uh, between the new front office and PFFs. And so I wanted to just kind of look back at where they saw the Browns after the offseason. And interestingly enough, uh, they gave the offseason, the Browns, a B plus. Um, they talked through some of the new arrivals like RG3 and Raheem Moore, uh, Jackson Jeffcoat, Demario Davis, Alvin Bailey, Jamar Taylor. Um, then obviously with re-signings, it's important to remember, uh, even though um, he was an exclusive rights Kind of guy, Terrell Pryor was brought back. Austin Pastor was brought back. Tank Carter, Don Jones. 
Uh, so they kind of go through all of that. And then they go through the draft picks, which we all know there's a bunch of them. Uh, and then since then, we've added a lot of undrafted free agents, uh, whether that's picking them up off the waiver wire or just signing them outright. And so they go through all of that and end up with a B plus. And so uh, where it ends, though, is what was really interesting to me. And I wanted to kind of start there is what did Pro Football Focus kind of see as the Browns uh, starting defense and starting offense? And kind of what does that look like? So uh, based on kind of the end of the draft, end of the offseason, uh, the Browns had uh, Desmond Bryan, Danny Shelton, and Jamie Meter as the starting defensive line. Obviously, Bryan's injury ended that. Uh, and so we've had some adjustments there because of Bryan's injuries. Uh, Shelton and Meter both uh, have played and played either good or okay. Um, in the linebacking core, Nate Orchard. Paul Kruger, where they starting outside linebackers with Christian Kirksey and then Mario Davis on the inside. Obviously, Orchard, IR, Kruger was a cut. Christian Kirksey, DeMario Davis has kind of been replaced uh, by Jamie Collins at some level. Uh, and then the cornerbacks, Joe Hayden, Traymond Williams, Jordan Poyer, and Ibrahim uh, Campbell. Poyer, obviously hurt. He's gone. Uh, Tramon Williams played terrible most of the year and has been injured some of that as well. Ibrahim Campbell has been replaced by Derek Kindred, the rookie. And then Joe Hayden obviously has had his kind of down and up kind of season, mostly with the down. So um, a lot of changes to what they thought was going to be the starting lineup for the Browns. One of the defensive linemen, three basically of the linebackers, and three of who they expected to be the defensive backs are all different than what pro football focus expected at the end of the offseason. Then we go to the offensive side of the ball, starting uh, offensive line, Joe Thomas, Joel Betonio, Cameron Irving, John Greco, and Elvin Bailey. Bailey, not so much. He never really was a big piece, um, struggled at times. John Greco, now out with injury. Joel Betonio, now out with injury. Cam Irvin has looked terrible. And Pro Football Focus graded him pretty terribly, 32.2. Uh, so Joe Thomas and Cam Irvin are really the foundational pieces of that offensive line. And then wide receivers, they had Corey Coleman and Brian Hartline starting. Obviously, we know Hartline, not so much, wasn't staying around. Um, and then they also had uh, Andrew Hawkins starting. So um, not that great at wide receiver, but no one expected Terrell Pryor to come on like he did, even the biggest Ohio State fan. Uh, then they obviously had Gary Barnage starting at tight end, Robert Griffin the third, and Duke Johnson starting in the backfield. Griffin is obviously out, and Isaiah Crowell has been made kind of the primary focus of Hugh Jackson's run game until he just goes away from it, which is kind of a regular thing that he does. So it's good when we're starting to kind of review where are the Browns now, 0-12. It's good to look back on what at least one kind of depth chart thought look like. I would say for most of us, this is kind of what we expected. The interesting thing is Kruger, Hartline, gone. Right? They didn't even make the team. Um, Kruger's playing for the Saints. Uh, where's Hartline at now? And then you look at the, the rest of the defense. Nate Orchard, Hurt, wasn't really playing real well anyways. But Desmond Bryant, Nate Orchard, Jordan Poyer, all basically missing much of the season for injuries. Traymond Williams missed uh, some of the season, not as much as many Browns fans would want. That's a lot of players that were expected to be big producers 
who are no longer on the team. So when I say we got to look back at where the team started and what the expectations were, this is what the expectations were. That's a lot of young players already in pro football focuses uh, best guess at a base defense and base offense. And then we got rid of even more of those players and had others injured. So a team that was set to lose games who brought in a lot of young talent, which takes time to develop, lost a lot of talent to injury or cutting, is 0-12. So how do we evaluate that team? Do we just say they're 0-12, so they must be terrible, this must not be working? Do we just carte blanche, give them the benefit of the doubt because they started with so many young players? Let's look. Let's take a look at this year's Cleveland Browns, starting with their draft class. And what do we see? So the Browns traded down. So at some level, what they've actually done uh, from trading down from number two to number eight and then from number eight to number 15, they've actually created a situation where if we're being really fair to them, we need to judge this draft class in the combination of the next two as well. So kind of taking them all together because it's not Corey Coleman who they picked at number 15 versus Carson Wentz. At this point, at, at 12 games into the season, I think most people would want Carson Wentz, but we're not talking about Carson Wentz versus Corey Coleman. We're also not talking about 12 games, but that's all we have to evaluate right now. We can look forward and, and think maybe something might be, but right now we're really judging Carson Wentz versus Corey Coleman plus, plus the picks we got from the Eagles and the picks we got from the Titans. So that's really how we need to evaluate that trade. It's also kind of how we have to evaluate this draft class overall because the Browns wouldn't have traded number one for number 15, or sorry, number two for number 15. They just wouldn't have done that. So number two to number 15 means 15 plus all of the other things that go with number 15. All right. So, but let's just look at Corey Coleman again. Some developmental problems based on his uh, injury to his hand that came out of nowhere after a really, really good game against the Baltimore Ravens in week two uh, that really uh, kind of stunted his development. Corey uh, has a lot of development to do coming out of a very simplistic Baylor system where he's not expected, wasn't expected to really run a lot of routes, uh, understand how to adjust his routes, all of those kind of things. So, so this time on the field was really, really important for Coleman. And it really stunted his growth. That doesn't give him any excuses. Last week against the Giants, against Janoris Jenkins, made him look silly uh, in his move that led to the touchdown. But he hasn't been consistent, and he, and he needs a lot of work. Uh, at the wide receiver position, though, it's also very dependent on the quarterback throwing you the ball. And so Josh McCown, Cody Kessler, Kevin Hogan, Terrell Pryor, Charlie Whitehurst, um, we've had a lot of them. And so... Um, on the time that he has been on the field, uh, Coleman hasn't had a lot of great quarterbacks throwing the ball. So while we've seen kind of flashes, I would say we can give an incomplete grade for Corey Coleman just based on his injury. Um, that doesn't mean he's a bad pick. doesn't mean he's a good pick. I think it's really incomplete at this point in time. Emmanuel Agba in the second round. Again, this is where Jared, the fan guy almost, would have picked Miles Jack and probably would have been the wrong decision uh, based on Jack's knee uh, based on the fact that he's really an inside linebacker, he's not a he's not an outside linebacker. He's almost a safety at some level, um, so wouldn't have maybe been the right decision. And what we saw from Agba is is a player who can get after the quarterback, 
um, who has played both uh, the outside linebacker edge, uh, which is really kind of a nine technique, um, but also can play the five seven technique with his hand in the dirt. Um, and so if you guys don't know what that is, that's the techniques are basically how far away from center they are. Uh, so three, four and four, three really aren't that important. The techniques that each of the players are playing really are vital, uh, kind of in that conversation. And so we've seen some good from Agba. I wouldn't say we've seen someone who is definitely going to be the stud outside linebacker getting, uh, pressure on the quarterback, but we have seen a player who can get to the quarterback who has strength, who has speed, uh, something that we really haven't seen for the Browns in a long, long time. And so um, I would say a B minus, a B would be a good grade uh, for Emmanuel Agba in his first 12 games. Uh, he's got three sacks, 20 tackles. Um, he's gotten into the backfield um, for a couple stuffs. And so uh, some good from Emmanuel Agba, maybe not great, but some good. Third-round pick, Carl Nassib, kind of fits into that Corey Coleman uh, range where he's kind of incomplete based on his hand injury. Seemed like he was really kind of coming on, kind of figuring it out. <clears throat> but then he got hurt. Um, he's got some length. He really needs to add some strength to his body. Uh, but his ability to knock down pass and get, get after the quarterback uh, with his high motor, uh, long arms and legs has been pretty good, but not enough to really give a grade. Shaw Coleman incomplete. Again, that's an interesting grade, but we haven't really seen Coleman on the field. And so we cannot grade that. We can make assumptions that because Austin Pastor hasn't looked good as a right tackle, that that means Sean Coleman isn't good. And Daryl Reuter did that today. And again, that's for Daryl to decide. But for me, Sean Coleman's an incomplete because the Browns really had to tear him down and build him back up. Auburn has some very, again, simplistic line splits um, that uh, Coleman really has a lot to learn in the NFL level. Um, but that doesn't mean he can't. And I expect Coleman to be the starter uh, at right tackle next year unless something crazy happens. Cody Kessler, third round pick, didn't think he could be able to play. He actually spent a couple of weeks trying to convince uh, Browns fans that they didn't need a quarterback next year. Now that's kind of come and gone, but... Uh, Hugh Jackson showed that he can make Cody Kessler kind of look like Andy Dalton, uh, whether that's good enough or not. Um, a, a slighter version of Andy Dalton is really what we saw of Cody Kessler in a rookie season where he is not meant to play. There are very few quarterbacks that I ever believe that should play in their first year in the NFL. It's too fast. It's too much to process. They need time. They need reps in practice. They need to be able to look at film for as long as possible to really get a feel. There are very few quarterbacks who can take the hits, take the pressures, and really learn from them in a way that can allow them to benefit. Maybe Cody Kessler is one, but right now he holds the ball too long. I would give Cody, based on expectations of a third-round pick and what we saw from him, I would give him a C-minus grade. Not great, but not terrible, given where he was. If he was a first-round pick, if he was a top of the first round pick, different discussion. Joe Schobert, fourth round pick, number 99 overall. Um, actually, he's playing outside linebacker. I still believe he fits more as an inside linebacker who can rush the passer. Uh, also, he can um, cover guys, uh, tight ends, running backs, those kind of things. And so I think he was just put in the wrong position, uh, started a few games for the Browns, and now is kind of out of the rotation with 
Jamie Collins coming in and uh, Ray Horton trying to figure out where his best players are. But I think Schobert um, so far hasn't shown much um, really for a fourth round pick. Um, not really that impressed with Joe Schober. And so he's someone I'd probably give a D grade to. Ricardo Lewis, he was the high ceiling, low floor kind of guy. Um, runs poor routes, drops a lot of balls. We've seen some of that. We've definitely seen some drops from him. But we've also seen a ton of speed and ability to kind of get the ball and go. And so for a wide receiver who I thought uh, could possibly not make the team and be a practice squad guy, guy Lewis has shown and for me, one of the things that Lewis has shown is he's been a really good gunner. And so while you may not think a fourth round pick, oh, he's a gunner, great. For a wide receiver who um, is a big guy with a bunch of speed and wide receivers tend to be divas, Ricardo Lewis has really played very well uh, in coverage on punts and kicks. And so that's something I was, I've been glad to see from him. Derek Kindred, listen, there are a lot of people who think Derek Kindred is set. Uh, he's that guy at strong safety. I'm a still a little concerned. He he hits more than tackles. I don't think he takes good um, angles to in run pursuit, and I, I think he is a liability in pass coverage. That, again, doesn't mean he can not develop, and I think for the season, again, based on expectations, we can give him really a B-minus grade so far, uh, especially how excited he has a lot of fans, a lot of media members. Seth DeValve, because of injuries, was kind of late into developing. But I think we've seen something from him. We've seen his ability, his size, his speed, his combination of those things. But again, this is someone who was a wide receiver in college, being changed over as a move kind of style tight end. So far, so good. He's made some plays. He hasn't been anything special. But for a late fourth round pick who few of us actually knew his name, going into the draft, I think so far we have to be okay with what we've seen out of out of Seth uh, as a move tight end, someone who possibly can replace Gary Barnage down the road, who doesn't seem like a perfect fit in Hugh Jackson's system. Jordan Payton really hasn't seen the field. Um, again, I would give him an incomplete like I did Sean Coleman. Spencer Drango has been a shocking surprise to me. The fact that he's really been able to hold his own when called upon now replacing Joel Batonio at left guard. Some of it is because the right side of the line is so bad, but we're really not talking about Spencer Drango. That's not a bad thing. Uh, Richard Higgins, I've seen some good flashes from Higgins. Uh, hasn't put up big numbers or anything like that, but we've seen some flashes from Higgins that should have Browns fans excited that he could be a solid number two. Again, it takes a while to develop in the NFL, uh, especially those kind of specialty positions, those skill position players. Greg Caldwell, nope, see you later. Uh, fifth round pick. That's not a great sign for the Browns. Uh, and then Scooby Wright. I know fans really love that Rudy Rocky story, uh, but Scooby Wright uh, really was tapped out, topped out in the college game. He may be able to develop down the road uh, as he kind of gets more veteran savvy and gets healthy, but not a lot. So looking at this Browns draft, I think it's it's really an honest statement to call it an incomplete. Some of the picks like Sean Coleman, Carl Nassib, Corey Coleman, have struggled with injuries. That's not an excuse, but they have struggled with injuries. Who knows what they would look like? If not, Emmanuel Agba has kind of been moved a little bit all over the place. So maybe not exactly what we want to see. Maybe not this dominant pass rusher. But again, remember, and I'm always going to come back to this and other things. Remember these two players last year? Danny Shelton, Terrell Pryor. 
Danny Shelton was having everybody and their brother say he was a bust. This year, he is throwing people around and is the centerpiece of the Browns' defensive line. Pharrell Pryor was cut by the Browns last year so they could sign Robert Turbin and then sat on the street for weeks before the Browns picked him back up and didn't look like he actually knew how to play the wide receiver position. And now this year, people want to franchise tag him. Players can develop. As for the rest of the Browns, Robert Griffin III, he got hurt again. So while we can't judge him on the field, we can kind of judge the fact that it doesn't look like he knows how he's able to stay healthy. I would love to see Robert Griffin III have four games to show he's really, really can be good in Hugh Jackson's system. The fact that he's learned uh, to throw the ball away and to slide, and he hasn't been stubborn about it uh, in preseason and in his first game, really had me excited. The fact that he can flick his wrist and throw the ball 70 yards down the field, that might be an overstatement, but that fact that he can do that really had me excited. And again, if they can build around Robert Griffin III, freeze him up in the draft. But he's hurt. Josh McCown, hurt. So all in all, how do we grade this team? Joe Thomas is great. Terrell Pryor is a, is a flash this year of greatness. Isaiah Crowell, a little bit here, a little bit there, and then a few things that don't give us any excitement. Duke Johnson, really not utilized um, as much as we kind of expected him to be. Used in the pass game, not so much in the run game, and Hugh Jackson's been going away from the run. Defensively, our secondary has looked bad. While Brian Body Calhoun is exciting for a undrafted waiver wire pickup, is he good enough to be a number two corner? Maybe. Joe Hayden hasn't been good enough to be a number one corner. Maybe not even good enough to be a number two corner. The secondary as a whole has struggled, while the front seven has slowly but surely started to come on. It looks like Ray Horton's starting to understand how to use his players on defense. So given expectations, given how the Browns set this season up, they did not build this team to win. They built this team to lay a foundation of young players with high upside. Given that, what grade can we give the team this season so far, now finally at their bye week? I would love to say incomplete. But I'm not just going to sit on the fence and, and give that kind of cheap answer. For me, this season, I would give them a solid B. Sounds crazy, doesn't it? The Browns have a ton of draft picks. The foundation that they laid this year has a lot of upside and has flashed. Again, somehow Hugh Jackson made Cody Kessler look like a decent to good quarterback. For a few weeks, Emmanuel Ogba, Carl Nassib have gotten pressure. Corey Coleman has made cornerbacks look silly out there. Terrell Pryor has been a revelation. Jamie Collins is now on this team for basically a fourth round pick, the top of the fourth round because it's a third round compensatory pick. They got one of the best inside linebackers in football for what amounts to a high fourth-round pick. That's pretty amazing to me. They still have Joe Thomas, Joe Batonio, uh, a stud left side of the offensive line. Gary Barnage is talented, if not misused. Uh, Duke Johnson, I think, has a lot of skill. All in all, the Browns have laid a foundation. They've got to figure out what the cornerstone is on offense. 
if Danny Shelton, Emmanuel Ogba, Carl Nassib, and Jamie Collins, maybe even Christian Kirksey, are going to be the cornerstones of the defense, who is it on offense? Joe Thomas, Joe Batonio, Terrell Pryor, Corey Coleman, and who? Who is the quarterback? Who is the quarterback? You add a, a solid to really good quarterback and let this team grow together. This team is a playoff contender, not next year, but the following year. That's my belief. If that's true, if this is a solid enough foundation with Hugh Jackson and the front office, then you have to give this year a B because you can't just grade it based on what is on the field. You also have to grade it on all the assets they have put together for the future. Now, it doesn't matter if they don't use those assets right, but you have to incorporate them into your grade. So tell me, what is your grade for this season for where the Browns are from where they expected to be? Again, get a hold of me on Twitter at Jared K. Mueller. That's at J-A-R-E-D-K-M-U-E-L-L-E-R. Thanks for stopping by this Locked On Browns podcast, and go Browns.